0: Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the Rider Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode here of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustlin'. And what a time to now be doing our show, Sean. This is the time that... We've gone through a whole season four and now we're preparing for two game threes of semifinal series, which are, are both fascinating in their in their own rights. We couldn't have asked for any more in terms of entertainment, excitement and drama over these first four games that we've seen. Firstly, two two toss of the corn games between the Perth Wildcats and the Cairns Taipans and what we've seen over the other side from the Sydney Kings and Melbourne United, it almost just has has to have been seen to be believed. It's been... That's fascinating. Plenty of other things happening across the NBL as well, which we will discuss on this week's show. So let's get straight into it. I'm Chris Pike, but the man that you all want to hear his opinions from and to get his thoughts of, Sean Redditch, the scoring machine, the Perth Wildcats legend, the NBL TV star still today. How do I find you this week, Sean?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to a terrific Thursday. Probably the best Thursday night of basketball we'll see all season. So uh, it's an exciting week and uh, I'm excited to see how it all plays out.
1: Absolutely. We, we couldn't be in a better position. Thursday night, two game threes. The two winners go through to the grand final. Starts, starts off yet at Sydney's Kudos Bank Arena, the Sydney Kings, who have been top of the ladder all season long. All the pressure now right back on them up against Melbourne United and it leads very nicely. Let's hope we're not delayed too late for the start. This time, Sean, and it all leads into the Game 3 at REC Arena, the Perth Wildcats and the Cairns-type hands. It's It's going to be fascinating. But first of all, Sean, Redditch basketball it has been hit a little bit. You've had a bit of a setback thanks to coronavirus. It seems to be having having some far-reaching influence in a lot of areas right now.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, travel, uh, travel with uh, the coronavirus is uh, probably being discouraged. Uh, you saw the... Uh, WA Department of Education come out and say no more no school trips overseas except for to the U.S. Canada and New Zealand I believe that was the uh, notice that was sent out yesterday Uh, Yeah I was I was planning on taking a a team over to America in December and we've kind of had to put that one on on postpone that one at the moment so we'll see how it all plays out Um, Hopefully. Hopefully things uh, are a lot worse, uh, I guess now than they will be in a few weeks, Tom. Hopefully things really improve. It's, uh, it, but it, you know, scary times as well. You know, if you're in that travel industry, uh, that's probably not the industry you want to be in at the moment. It's, uh, it's pretty uh, scary, and and I guess you know, there's there's a lot of things going on there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things die down over over the next couple weeks, and you know, we'll kind of look back on it, and it's not as bad. But you, you guess you've got to take it pretty serious where it is at the moment
1: yeah let's hope it's more preventative measures right now that are going to help it from spreading and becoming this sort of massive global outbreak but we're here to talk about basketball in the nbl sean and what a what a first four games of the semi-final series we saw last week of course it started friday night at rac arena going into this series with the Wildcats and the typhans we both thought it was just a toss of the coin type deal because they were both so evenly matched and and what a what a game one that was. It went into overtime, 108 to 107. The Wildcats ended up winning. I mean, the Bryce Cotton and Scott Machado show was unbelievable. Bryce Cotton, 42 points on, including 10 of 19 from three-point territory. Scott Machado, 31 points, nine assists, eight rebounds. We'll go into it in, in a bit more detail now, but a little bit later, sorry. But an incredible game one. And that led into game game one of the Sydney Kings-Melbourne United series on Saturday night, and after dominating the whole regular season, the Sydney Kings just didn't show up for the first three and a half quarters. Melbourne had the game on on toast. They were 15 points up, or or maybe even 16 points up with five minutes to go. And then the Kings go on a 24-2 run to snatch that victory, 86-80. And then it leads into Sunday, the Cairns Convention Centre, game two between the Taipans and the Wildcats. The Wildcats started on fire. Myles Plumley got off to a... To a hot start. He couldn't keep it going. Neither could Perth. Bryce Codden scoreless in the first half on just two shots. And the Taipans looked really good. 85 to 74 winners. And then the most remarkable game of all on. On Monday night, Melbourne Arena. At one stage, Melbourne, against the team, remember, that had been on top of the ladder all season long. At one stage, they scored 38 straight points. They ended up leading at one point in the game by 58 points. They went on to win 125 to 80 and that's a team that's got Andrew Bogart, Casper Ware, Kevin Lish, Brad Newley, Diddy Lozada, Daniel Kickett. I mean, you go right down the list. They lost, by 45 points in a game two of the semifinal series. Touch on each game individually in a second, Sean. But overall, what's your take on those first four games of the semifinals?
0: Well, I think, I guess, I was kind of expected that, uh, you know, the Cairns-Perth series to go to game three. Um, and I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be a tight one. I didn't expect the level of play that I saw in game one, uh, that especially that was that was incredible basketball from both teams. Both teams deserved the win in, in my uh, my opinion. And then you go into the Sydney, Melbourne, and it's just been been remarkable I mean outside of that six and a half minute stretch Melbourne you know it have absolutely dominated Sydney who who they struggled against all year and you just kind of feel like they're finding their groove at the right time of year the pressure's on and, and they're coming to play and the Sydney Kings uh it feels like they're crumbling a little bit under under that pressure of having to uh try and get that championship so we'll we'll see how game three plays out but The way Melbourne United is, I mean, 38 nothing run against Mm. some people consider the Sydney Kings quite possibly the most talented team to ever take the floor in the NBL. So, I mean, you're not talking about just your average team. You're talking about a super team and they put a 38 nothing run on Mm. them in the finals. Uh, obviously Melbourne United showed up and Sydney Kings were uh, lacking in their effort and concentration in that game too.
1: Let's touch on the game one that started things off on Friday night in Perth with the Taipans and the Wildcats and and like you it was probably the highest quality game out of the four to start the the semi-finals and to me I thought the Taipans did so much right they were probably probably the better team even though they lost the game but if you have a look at some of the, some of the numbers they they shot the ball at 61% from the field 56% from 3 point territory they ended up with 12 more rebounds than then the Wildcats, you know, as I said, they had Machado, you know, threatening a triple double on the back of 31 points, which is a is a hell of an effort. Cam Oliver working to the game nicely as well. Clearly the best big man on the court with 19 points and and 18 rebounds. You know, DJ Newbill still did did the job offensively with 25 points, even though Bryce Cotton did what he did up the up the other end. And Nate Jawai had his moments too, even though I thought Jesse Wagstaff got away with a lot when he defended him in the second half. Jawas, 10 points, and in his 17 minutes, still looked pretty dangerous. And the Taipans just did so much right, except they lost the possession game, which I think was the key. They they gave up 17 turnovers. Perth only turned the ball over three times, and the Wildcats had 13 offensive rebounds. Combine that with Bryce Cotton's 42 points, and and that's where Perth won the game. But I still would have thought Cairns went away thinking that they they did plenty right.
0: Yeah, they were extremely unlucky not to get that. And, uh, you know, I walked away from that game thinking – Wow. As a fan of basketball, that was that was awesome. That was what mm-hmm. uh, what you want in finals basketball and uh, credit to, to Keynes to come into a tough environment, although it wasn't as big as crowd as uh, as Perth mm-hmm. is, is used to having um, that game one, usually the toughest sell. Uh, I think the the Red Army might be a little bit spoiled there. That uh, just expecting their team to either get to Game Three or to the Grand Final. Um, but it was a it was a well played game. I mean, just huge shots from both teams. And out mm-hmm. outside of Bryce Cotton doing Bryce Cotton things. And and I thought what changed the game was Trevor Gleason went to that small ball lineup with yeah, about sure. four minutes into the third quarter. Uh something I, I kind of thought he was going to do. It just looked like they were attacking Miles Plumley anytime he was out there on the court. And he actually played quite a bit in that first half. Um, it kind of yeah. felt like Trevor Gleason was trying to get him into the game and get him making him a presence, but uh it actually backfired on the Wildcats a little bit, I thought, because they were just having their way attacking him on that on ball and he wasn't wasn't doing a great job handling. And then he can't wasn't able to get out there and contest Cam Oliver on his threes. So that's where I think Cam Oliver really has an advantage over the centers, is he can step out and shoot that three while also being a rim protector on the other end. So he's uh, you know, he's certainly showing his his worth in the, in the final series and the numbers he's putting up is just, uh, almost video game like numbers at the moment. So it got to, you got to credit Cairns the way they play. They just look really focused, you know, just looking Nate J.Y. during the game. Um, they just, this looked like they had a lot of self belief and we'll see if they can continue that belief, uh, into game three at, I, you know, I still think that it's going to be a tough, tough one to, to beat the Perth Wildcats in a, in a, in a cider at RAC arena, but you know, if there's a team that can do it, it's Cairns the way they're playing.
1: Yeah. We'll go We into the game, game two on, on Sunday up at Cairns. And I guess the two areas that the Titans had were well, the three areas. They had to find a way to not let Bryce Colden go for 40, but they also had to take care of the ball better. And they had to limit, I guess, Perth's possessions that they had and they managed to do, do everything in that, in, in that, Department they had only had twelve turnovers themselves they forced the wildcats into into fourteen after they only had three on friday night um they perth still had ten offensive rebounds, which I probably think they thought was too many, but they still ended up winning the rebound count once again and the job they did on bryce cotton they they you know dJ Newble and Jared Kenny just wouldn't leave levy his pocket but then anytime he went near the ball the bigs would step up to make sure he was double teamed and they just, had to, they just got the ball out of his hands at every opportunity and he only took two shots for the entire first half with scores at half time and he only ended up with 11 points for the game. So everything that they just fell short of doing right on Friday night to lose by a point, they were able to do right on Sunday and and after the first five minutes of the game, they probably dominated that one and there was the 11-point margin probably even flattered Perth a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, I kind of felt like because the Wildcats started so well, they almost forgot about Bryce Cotton there in the first half. Yeah. And, uh, you know, miles only had some good plays and stuff, but it, uh, you know, then things started to dry up because they're, you know, they just weren't getting the, as good a looks. And that's when cans kind of went on that run. Uh, you know, they were down 11 to five or 11 to six, I think it yep. was. And they went on a huge run and, and never looked back from there. And it just felt like the wall. Cause you know, I think cans type did a great job. DJ new Just, I mean, that's what you got to do. you, you, Got to get the ball out of Bryce Cotton's hands. You you almost just have to face guard him, play the rest of the guys normal, and just – flat out face guard we saw that last year teams were starting to do that they had some success with it the wildcats made some adjustments started putting bryce cotton at the one which which means he's bringing the ball up and that's what i expect in in game three the wildcats will uh try and get the ball more into bryce Cotton's hands, and that's what they've got to do if they want to win this series they almost have to play through bryce cotton because they're not getting a whole lot from tariko white you know, I think Clint Steindl's knocking down some shots. Jesse Wagstaff and and Nick K are, are playing pretty well, but those guys aren't going to consistently just beat your defense. They've they got one guy that can really create for everyone else, and that's what they have to play through. Usually they're pretty smart with it, but um, credit cans, tie fans the way they, they made those adjustments in the, in the game too. And
1: then the other series, game one in Sydney on – on Saturday, Melbourne looked so good for the first thirty, like I said, probably thirty-four minutes. They were they were leading seventy-eight to sixty-two when a tech foul was called on the on the Kings and Mellow Trimble knocked down the free throw, and then from there they only scored two points the rest of the way. For so for the last six and a half minutes, they scored two points and and Sydney piled on twenty-four, and it was just a remarkable way to finish the game. But in some ways, did that probably gloss over for Sydney some of the problems that were shown up before that point. Perhaps did they get a little bit complacent potentially heading into game two?
0: Yeah, I think so. And I'll tell you what I've noticed over probably the last couple months of the season. I don't really like their balance. You know, I think they they brought in Xavier Cooks and they're trying to play him at the three, Jay Sean Tate at the four, and then Andrew Bogut at the five. And you just really don't have shooters out there. Um, outside of Casper Ware, who's who's gone missing, um, in this series, they no longer have any shooters, and Kevin Lisch just doesn't look at, as smooth as he has in the past as well. So it just kind of clogs things down. I think they're going to need to go back to almost a little bit of small ball lineup as well. I think they need to bring, you know, Xavier Cooks needs to be an energy guy off the bench. Because him and Jay Sean Tate and Andrew Bogat, I don't think are a great combination. Um, and if you look at their record from where they started to where they are now, they, I don't think they got better with Xavier Cooks and, and how, where they're balanced with him. I like him as a player. I just don't think he's the perfect fit. I think he's more of a four man in our league. But when you've got Jay Sean Tate, who's, uh, you know, first team all, all NBL, it's tough to, um, put him at a, his, his best spot. So that's yeah. me looking at it from a uh, from a point of view where they, they've got to find some balance because I don't think they could beat Cairns or the Wildcats the way they're playing against Melbourne United at the moment, even if they do sneak through to the grand final.
1: No, I think you're totally right. It's, it's a great point because Bogut, Bogut Cooks and Tate, not, not, none of the three of them can shoot. And then you're starting with Kevin Lish and Casper as well who aren't shooting the ball well either. So you've got five guys there that are not shooting to start with and – yeah, it definitely hurt them. Now, how would have Melbourne United handled the the capitulation? There's no other way of putting it. They completely fell to pieces in that last six minutes on on Saturday. How did they turn that around into the performance they delivered on, on Monday, which ended up being the most emphatic, dominant performance we've seen by any club against anyone this whole season?
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about that game one because, you know, I'm sitting here watching the game I'm just like what are they doing I mean they they look like they were down 18 I mean they guys just coming down coming down five seconds into the shot clock throwing up contested threes I mean literally yeah. all if if all they did was come down and ran 24 second shot clock and then handed the ball to the ref they would have won that game for sure. <laughs> you know, that's all they literally had to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they got, oh, there was one possession, I think, you know, I love Chris Golding, but he took the contested three, got the ball back into the fadeaway contested three into the corner like it like and look that's a good shot for Golding when he's on fire but at that stage he'd only hit I think one or two shots for the game so it was a um it it was a strange passage of play credit to you know I thought Jay Sean Tate when he hit those couple threes really kind of reinvigorated that team and then um Didi Lozada hit a couple shots as well so to me those two are the best the guys that are playing the best for the Sydney Kings at the moment, they've got to try and ride those guys because the rest of them just almost look like they're ready for the season to be finished is, is the way it looks like. I mean, Andrew Bogat, you know, probably the most decorated player that we've ever seen in the NBL and goes scoreless is, um, you know, I'm, I've seen Andrew Bogut after a, a bad game. I expect him to have a big one in game three because I think he'd be pretty frustrated with, with his performance in game two.
1: I just wonder if he's physically capable, though. He just doesn't look mobile at all right now. Whether it's his back or something else is, is holding him back, he just doesn't look healthy. And and if anyone's going to highlight highlight that when you're playing against him, it's Sean Long. And, you know, the, the thing that summed up that game on Monday more than anything was Sean Long against Andrew Bogut when 12 months ago we were having the debate who's the best centre in the league and the two of them were having the debate between themselves who was the best centre in the league. But then you look at Monday night, Sean Long, 26 points, 11 rebounds, on 10 of 13 shooting, so he he was efficient. And Bogut, zero points, three rebounds, four turnovers, zero of two shooting. That matchup sums up everything just about.
0: Yeah, it does. He, he's definitely clearly playing at a pretty high level. And, and if I'm Melbourne United, I'm going to play through Sean Long. You know, I thought yep. I just would like to see them post him up a few times. You know, he's probably in the post. He's probably the best post player we have in the nbl he hardly sees it down there at toms um and that's what i thought in the fourth quarter they could have gone to in that game one just just go down and post them up they were you know sydney kings were playing small ball as well they had kickered at the five so just kind of recognition of those things um i think will help melbourne united i just think they got to play through sean long and then mellow Trimble when he comes out on the court but utilize utilize Sean Long down there on the block he is, he is a tough cover down there and then it'll open up your shooters as well
1: The other big difference is the point guard battle even though Mellotrim was coming off the bench he's, he's still playing the minutes of a, of a starter and uh, I guess it was always going to be fascinating how how that swap worked obviously Sydney Sydney were trumpeting the fact that they were able to lure Casper to, to join them after, after his last couple of years at, at Melbourne United but if you have a look at that matchup, Casper Ware in game 1, 7 points, 3 of 14 shooting, 0 of 9 from 3 point range, and then in game game 2, it, it didn't didn't get much better for him. He had 10 points, 3 of 8 shooting and 2 of 7 from from long range. And you have a look at Melo Trimble and he was he was fantastic. In game 1, 34 points. He hit five three-pointers and he also had five assists, so he's willing to share the ball around, and then he didn't have to do a hell of a lot on Monday night, but he still had 20, 21 points and, and hit three three-pointers pointer, as well. Melo Trimble's clearly winning that battle too.
0: Yeah, he's, he's playing at a at a you know, very high level. I love the way he's attacking. He's not settling for that three yeah. as much. And that's what the mindset he's got to have. I think it's, uh you know, he's kind of taking it personal. And it's been a, a great move putting him on the bench and kind of come in. Absolutely. And when he comes in, he knows he's going to have the ball in his hands. And he, he's in attack mode. And uh, it's a great impact. Um, but then I think it also gives other guys a chance to kind of get going. Sean Ball and Chris Golding, they're playing through them a little bit more in those first prior three, four minutes of the game, which probably gives them a little bit more confidence. So it, it's been a good move there at Melbourne United, and it kind of, I guess, is, is kind of giving them uh, a little bit of a jolt coming down the, this last stretch. And uh, to me, it's been one of the big keys for why they're playing so well as of late.
1: Have you ever seen anything like that in a semifinal game? especially when it's the top seed that's trailing by 58 points and giving up 38 straight points in a game. Do you remember seeing anything like that before?
0: Look, I've been a part. We we played the Sydney Kings when I was in with uh, the Wildcats. I think it was 07 or 08. No, you're um right. so we, and we you we go. went in yeah. we went into city we beat them game two at our place might have been an yeah. overtime we yeah. went there and they were just on a whole nother level I think they were up by 40. I think coming into the yeah. timeout Scott Fisher was like hey guys I've lost a game by 50. let's not let that happen um I'm not sure what the final score was but that game I mean the Sydney Kings team was talented then too as well yep. they were um you yeah, know they were clearly the best team in the league that year i think they ended up getting beat by by melbourne um melbourne, tigers, melbourne yeah. tigers in the final but it was it was one of those things where just nothing went right and uh and they were just on they were hitting every shot and i think we we missed a heap of free throws it was just nothing and that and that's the way the sydney kings it just looked like nothing went right but they really didn't have anyone that could was really engaged outside of Sean Tate. I thought he was he was he was into the game, but outside of that, the the effort level was um, you know. When you're Sydney Kings, you've got to just try and wipe that and and use that as a little bit of motivation. But it was it was an impressive performance from from Melbourne United. They were yeah they were desperate. I think they were probably frustrated. It almost seemed like Sydney Kings felt like they were just going to lay over and die because they came back and got them in that game one right at the end, but credit to the Melbourne United and let's not forget Melbourne United this team won won the championship two years ago and got to the grand final last year so it's not like they don't have championship material and metal about them so it's a uh, you know you're gonna have to beat them they're not just gonna lay down and and give you give you the series that's for sure
1: okay Sean let's just take a break for a second to thank Hoops Heaven for once again making this show possible let's be honest, we wouldn't still be here at this point of the season having come through our first whole regular season here on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle without their support. So head over to dot au, or indeed check them out on, at Facebook or, or Instagram because I just remember 10 years ago if you'd want any basketball merchandise of your favourite team or indeed anything sort of Jordan related or branded with Nike or Adidas or or any of the major brands, you would have to go online and and boy, with the way the US dollar is right now and if you add in all of the shipping to come over from the US, it just became too expensive to be realistic. But thanks to a store like Hoops Heaven, your, your life is now a lot more easier and you can get all of the basketball merchandise you could ever hope for. So like I said, he, head over to hoopsheaven.com.au or if you do live in Perth and Indeed, if you're heading to the game on Thursday night, check out their store on Murray Street before you come along because you'll just, to be honest, you'll will, you will be amazed at the range that they have and just having a look at, th- at some of the new merchandise they have and there's, a, there's an incredibly interesting and exciting new range of, of James Harden clothes that are, come from, from Adidas, a Daniel Patrick range and there's, there's T-shirts, shorts, a hoodie and pants there that you'll you'll find hard to say no to, let's be honest. But the sh- the range of shoes they've got is is incredible as well. And, you know, right now, this week, they've, they've just just brought in a new pair of Air Jordan 34s that the red and the black are really striking. And whether you're buying them to play basketball in or if you just want to wear them around the the streets or the house or wherever you want to wear them, you won't be disappointed. There's a there's another pair of LeBron Witness 4s and the black and the purple and the gold to obviously celebrate him at the Lakers. There's a... I mean, the range is just incredible. There's another pair of Donovan Mitchell Adidas shoes and I can definitely recommend those. I've got a pair of my own mailman shoes and, and they are a tremendous pair of shoes. So head to hoopsheaven.com.au. When you get to check out, use the code word HUSTLE. And once again, thanks to Hoops Heaven for making us... Possible here at Basketball Hustle, Sean. Well, and we always thought they were going to click at some point this year and they're clicking at the exact right time. So if you're going to click it at one point, this is the time to be to be doing it. So we'll come back to your thoughts on what will happen in the two game threes shortly, Sean. But it was a busy day on Friday. The NBL had planned it nicely. They were going to have a nice announcement of who the, the next team would be coming into the league and that would lead into the start of the NBL finals. But the Adelaide 36ers wanted to have the spotlight back again as well. So Joey Wright, a couple of days earlier, got his release from the 36ers, which we knew was coming. So he agreed to terms with the club to get a buyout on his last two years of his contract. But then he decided he wanted to take some some parting shots. So clearly he had a, he had a significant falling out with his imports this season, Jerome Randall, Eric Griffin and Ramon Moore. And he and he gave them a massive clip about what he didn't like about how they acted during the season. He threw Harry froling into that mix as well, who had come back after missing out on the on the NBA this past offseason and didn't come back with the same work ethic and and I guess Kevin White didn't didn't like having his teammates thrown under the bus like that by an outgoing coach. My understanding is he went to the club to try to get something done about it. The club sort of wiped their hands on it so so Kevin was left with no option in his mind but to go public with you know the things that Joey had done and the way he had treated the players during the season and from there. Everything just hit the fan. Other players came out with their their side of things. Um, you know, Jerome Randall, Eric Griffin, Ramon Moore all told, told their sides of the story. Um, and it got pretty ugly. And I've never seen anything like it. I've got to gotta to admit, in terms of, you know, coaches bagging their players, then players coming out and showing proof of how they were treated during the season and bagging their coach. I've never seen anything like it. I don't really know how to sum it up, or I don't know what happens from here to all parties involved, but what did you make of the whole situation, Sean?
0: Well, I think the only winner of this whole situation has been social media. Yeah. Uh, Twitter and that was just going off and, and the amount of talk about that. I guess the couple things that rubbed me the wrong way. Obviously, there's there's the whole idea of this is a team sport. And and I know mm-hmm. I know a lot of coaches that have coached my teams have just said, look, what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. Look guys are going to get on, coaches are going to get on players, players are going to be upset with coaches. That's just part of it. You know, you're not going to be happy with your playing time or your role or, you know, coaches are trying to do the best, best they can to get guys motivated and all that. So for then, I guess it all kind of started with Joey Wright calling out his players. Um And, and you know, if, if you're Joey Wright, maybe you just, if you're going to have say, Hey, we weren't all on the same page. We had a few guys, but to call out guys by name and to say, I think that's where probably frustrates me from a player's point of view. If I'm looking at it, like I can understand where the players are like, look, we're, we're supposed to be in all this together. You know, obviously, you know, not every guy had a great season. Obviously, Harry Frawling after, um, rookie of the year was, was considerably down this year and for whatever reason. That was, you know, I saw in that last game in Adelaide, Eric Griffin came off after three minutes. Obviously, he had a terrible three minutes. and never mm-hmm. saw the court again. So you kind of felt like there was, there was some underlying issues there. But uh, and that's well, where it's
1: apparently t- as it as it turns out, since Joey had sent him a pretty abusive message an hour before the game.
0: Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of things there that. Don't coincide with being a successful organization and a successful team. You know, I think Joey's teams have always kind of had that edge about him. He's been pretty, Mm. pretty masterful of trying to find that edge within a team and, and knowing the buttons to push. I think maybe with this team there was too many buttons to push and and probably took it over the lawn and then you know obviously Kevin White felt like he had to stand up for his his teammates and and probably probably not the best um decision on on you know I I think there's better channels to to do to do that you know contacting the Players Association contacting the club maybe he had gone down that route I don't know I haven't spoken to Kevin White but to then use social media to try and say, hey, you know, it, it's almost like, oh, it's not the player's fault. It's the coach's fault and just kind of going back and forth. And it was, uh, you know, was, there's there's no winners in this. And I just it's um, it, it's disappointing, you know, in this Adelaide team a couple of years ago, they were in the grand final series. They should have won a grand final. So well, with with Childress getting hurt, it's it's an unfortunate, I guess, for me as well, that. I'm waiting to hear what the Adelaide 36ers going to do about it. I mean, you know, they've come out and said, oh, we're we're investigating, but we haven't heard anything about it. So it tells me that where's that organization and their structure of things and and how are they going to, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this over the next week because outside of a statement, we haven't heard much, um, much. It's almost like they just kind of wanted to die down and, and hopefully there's Mm -hmm. another big story. The coronavirus, I guess maybe has taken over and, um, people hopefully forget about the the situation, but that's that's that that that's how it seems from from the outside. Yeah, it does. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, yeah. Have you ever been part of a club that has had those internal issues, but you've been able to keep it keep it inside? Have you ever have you ever ever been part of anything like this? Have you ever seen anything even
0: remotely close to this? No, not at this level not at this level i mean i think there's always going to be a little bit between the players and coaches and there's always going to be some players that are a little upset with with whatever's happening and coaches upset with players um how they're performing and i guess it's how you deal with that in a a constructive manner probably determines your long-term success um and it's a uh but yeah i haven't personally and i've seen some some interesting moves from management and that side of things, especially probably more in like Puerto Rico and, and those um, in those scenarios but uh, yeah, I guess you' kind of feel like the is at another level professionally and and structurally wise and uh, so it's disappointing to see it come to this
1: yeah it is I mean it, there's so many different moving parts of it. We could probably spend a whole show talking about it, but we'll we'll try and move on because the other news that came out. On Friday was the newest team to enter the NBL. It'll come in for the twenty twenty one twenty two season. They'll be based in Tasmania. You spent a season playing down in Tasmania when you first came out to Australia. Sean, is this is this good news?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I know a lot of people down in in, in Tassie are excited about. Long time coming. I kind of felt like uh, they were ready for a while now, and uh, I'm I'm glad to see the NBL is recognizing it. Obviously, they took the uh, preseason. Blitz tournament there and had tremendous amount of success. The thing I'll I'll say is, you know, I, I lived on the Northwest coast and basketball is huge there. I mean, they've got their own mm-hmm. domestic comp and on a Tuesday night, you get these stadiums that are, that are packed. It's freezing cold in there and people show up to watch basketball. So I think mm-hmm. that, you know, it's kind of that, the first national team and a national competition um, in Tasmania, and so I hope that Tasmanians get get behind it and it becomes a success. It's it's always tough to start a new club and and find that success, but I think it'll go well. I've I've always said that you know if there was another place that should deserve to get it, I think I think Tasmania is is right there. Just how much I know they love their basketball and where where it's going at the moment.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And I'm glad they got in there before. An AFL club or another sporting code as well, so the whole state can get behind this club, the corporate dollars, the the sponsorship dollars, the the fans, and you know the merch, the memberships, and everything. So yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a great success, and credit to the NBL for making it happen and, and making it happen fairly quickly. It obviously will be delayed a year, but that's just to get the Derwin Entertainment Centre redeveloped and up to NBL standards. So it'll be it'll, it'll be pretty exciting. But Sean, we have two huge game threes on Thursday night to look forward to. Now, Sean, a couple of weeks ago, we announced, thanks to ID Athletic, a special competition that's still running. So anybody that's listening, head over to our social media pages at Hoops, Heaven, Hoops Heavens Basketball Hustle. Get onto Facebook, get onto Twitter, get onto Instagram, and just type, type Basketball Hustle into your, ser- into your search engine. And, and fi- find our post. We'll, we'll post up another post this week. And thanks to ID Athletic, for your basketball team, you can win your very own set of singlets, you can design them yourselves, you'll get them freshly made, and this is just an incredible offer because there's some some teams running around in social competitions, junior competitions, whatever you're playing, it doesn't matter, in some pretty ragged looking outfits. So all you have to do, send us a photo of what you're currently playing in, tell us how much you would appreciate a brand new free set of uniforms, and just 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 send us the photo, tell us your, your reasoning for it, and come the last show of the, of this season here on hoop Heaven's Bicycle Hustle, thanks to ID Athletic, we'll pick a winner and you'll get your own brand new free set of singlets. It's, a, it's something you just don't want to miss the opportunity to win. So thanks to ID Athletic for making it happen, and of course you can support them and check them out at idathletic.com. Okay, Sean, So let's start first up. We've got Sydney Kings, Melbourne United at Kudos Bank Arena. It's going to take a hell of a turnaround from the Kings to come back from that forty-five point loss to win, but they have been the best team in the competition all season. How do you see this game three playing out?
0: I think I think Melbourne United. It was going to be hard if they lost game one, um, and if yeah. you're looking at precedents, I think twenty-one of the last twenty-two series, the team that won game one um went on to win it and the fact that sydney kings are playing at home i know they haven't played great i think will Weaver's going to make some change i think he needs to go small ball get his shooters in the lineup i think sydney kings will, will get it done but it's it's no lock for sure i think uh but i am mm. i'm predicting the sydney kings just because they're playing at home they've been the best team all season um but I, i'm i'm excited to see how how it uh how it plays out in game three. This is uh, this is fantastic. Two game threes on the same night. as a basketball fan. I can't wait.
1: Question from left field a little bit. Because the Kings are now at full strength, Deshaun Taylor's now not playing in this final series, but he was playing some really good basketball before he had to go out once. Moller, Lozada, and all came back. If you were with Weaver, would you consider finding a way to get Taylor to be able to play in game three or would you stick with the players that you've got?
0: It's, a, it's an interesting question who Who could you who could he replace though can he replace well, you anyone just Say
1: somebody's injured I mean it could be could be Lucas Walker Craig Moller you just say that they're injured and and Taylor can play but would you would you consider it
0: so they have to be injured though right
1: well they well Ramon Moore was supposed to be injured
0: oh <laughs> well, I mean you would you would definitely have a conversation about it I, I just don't think that yeah, I, I'd say they have enough shooters there. Like, they've got Didi Lozada, Kevin Lish, Casper Ware. They just need to play those guys. Yep. Um. I think that should be your your one, two, and three, and then put Tate and, and Bogut, and maybe even throw Cooks at the five at times. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, if Bogut's going to be a little ineffective, throw, you know, kind of do what the Wildcats are doing, and almost, you know, Cooks can uh, – he's pretty handy on the defensive end. It's probably one of the best attributes he has. So, uh, yep. see if Sean Long can guard him on the, on the offensive end. So, it's a uh, – you know, I think they've got to make some changes um, to the lineup or else I don't think they're going to get game three. But it's probably not a great look if if they they say a guy's injured so he comes in. But, you know, I guess you got to have that conversation.
1: Well, I mean, you just have to do whatever it takes to win – how big, of a, how big of a failure would it be if the Kings don't get to the grand final after the season they've had?
0: I, yeah, it would be pretty disappointing. Um, you know, first team to ever start the season in first place and finish it. The season they had, the, the talent that they put together, you know, they talked about how, uh, you know, they kind of built this team to win. They went out and got the guys that they wanted and they thought could take them to that title. And, uh, and they, uh, so for, for them, I think it's championship or bust, but I still think game three, I played in, in quite a few of those deciders. The home court has such an advantage and you're just so, so motivated. Anything you do well, the crowd is going to get into it. So I just think it's it's tough to win a game three on the road.
1: So that sounds like you're going for Sydney. I'm, I'm definitely all, all in for Melbourne. I think the way they played in the first... Two games, I, I just can't see that Sydney can turn it around enough to beat them, but it wouldn't shock me if the Kings would find a way because they are, they have that much talent and that much experience. But I'll stick with Melbourne for, for now. Now, the Wildcats and the Taipans. From the start of this series, I thought it was a toss of the coin. Going into game three, I see no reason to think it's not a toss of the coin, but I do feel like the Taipans have clearly been the best-looking team out of the first, first 80 minutes. But the Wildcats have got Bryce Cotton, and they've got the home court advantage and, and they'll probably have 2,500 more people than for this game than was there last Friday night. How do you see this one playing out?
0: I see the Wildcats winning it. I think uh, mm-hmm. if the Kansai Pans are going to win, they need someone to to really have an unbelievable performance. They almost need to replicate that game one performance and, and try and limit to Bryce Cotton to 40 instead of 42. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I just think last game that I saw that uh, I guess there's been two, the breakers beat us twice uh, in a decider, but the one that I guess really resonates with me when Kirk Penny just went off, um, you need a guy that just kind of puts it. I think Machado is is that guy. He can, you know, he can really take over a game if he needs to. So I think if, if he can have a massive game, it'll uh, give him a good chance. I just think it's going to be tough to win game three on the road especially in Perth with the with the crowd that they have. And knowing those guys, you know, Mitch Norton, Damian Martin, um, I think even Tirico White's going to be really amped up for this one. So I think uh, I'm going with the Wildcats, although, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking – hopefully it's a, it's a it's as good a game as game one because that was a fun one to be sidelined for.
1: Yeah, it sure was. I'm going to stick with Cairns. Maybe it's both wishful thinking and just to be different – from you as well, but I, I seriously think it's a toss of the coin. There's these both, both teams are just so evenly matched and playing at a high level right now and really looking forward to it. Both game threes have got so much, so much obviously riding on them as a grand final spot, but there's just so many different storylines going to both games that they are going to be fantastic and you just can't miss them. Just, if you're not at one of the arenas in Sydney or Perth, you just have to sit yourself down in front of the TV for four and a half or five hours and and watch these two games un- unfold on Thursday night. Now, Sean, before we, before we go, the SBL season's getting very close. The first half of the Blitz was last weekend. We've got a, the second half of the Blitz this weekend coming up. We've got some, even though Basketball WA didn't team up with the NBL to become NBL 1 West this season, there's some incredible names involved. In the SBL this season, you'll be you you'll be seeing on the court, you know, Greg Hire and Cody Ellis and young, exciting machines like Luke Travis and 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 obviously is is still playing at, at the Senators. But then you've got really seasoned names like Ryan Godfrey, Gavin Field, Ben Purser, Aaron Ralph, Joel Wagner, Jackson Hussey, Caleb Davis up, up at the Junior Up Wolves. You still got Seb Salinas and Treon Iliadis. On the coaching side of things, we've got Mark Worthington coming in to the league for the first time, coming back to WA to coach the Slammers down in down in Bunbury. Aaron Traher, Ricky Grace, a coaching combination down in Mandurah. Mike Ellis still coaching at the Senators. We've got Steve Black still coaching at, at Willerton. Some incredible names involved in the league this year. We haven't talked about it yet. Can you confirm that you'll be playing once again, Sean, with the Perry Lakes Hawks?
0: Yeah, I have been training with the Hawks. So uh, all things point to. Uh... Putting on the uh, blue and white again, um, yeah, kind of playing last year uh, got me reinvigorated playing. So I've been been training, training with the Hawks, and yeah, you talk about some big names there and, and guys that have done some incredible things in basketball. It's uh, it, it's exciting to see from a from a league's point of view. I think you know, I think a lot of people were hoping they'd go to that NBL one. Um, my understanding is it just was, was kind of left it a little bit too late. Um, with yeah. some of the requirements, but uh, all things point that they will um they'll go there eventually. If it's not this year, yeah, or obviously not gonna be this year, but the following year. Um, yeah, hopefully. It,
1: it looks like happening next year for sure.
0: And uh and I I really like that, you know, and they're talking about the national championship. I, I was fortunate mm-hmm. to play in that um when I first came over here when I was playing with Tasmania and Bendigo. So I think it would give, you know, I think the WA teams would do quite well over there and i think it would give a little Mm -hmm. bit more level respect as well if you send over the you know top top one or two teams over there to play in that that championship would be um would be good maybe even the sbl um creates kind of two divisions um so the champion from each division gets to go over there and play in the championship Mm -hmm. because i think i think the level of talent here deserves that and uh you know i think that uh You you do see some guys that kind of want to go over east because they feel like they get a little bit more recognition over there. But I think Mm. if we could get the the SBL teams playing in that that national competition there at the end of the season, I think it would give a little bit more credence to how good a talent and coaching that we have over here in WA.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think just even a little thing like having games streamed so then people can actually see the quality of the league because I think – the quality of the SBL stacks up really well to the rest of the country. It's just that unless you're here in person, you almost don't get to see it. So, yeah, I think it's all heading towards the right direction and and great news that you'll be involved again, Sean, and I'm sure everyone's looking forward to, to that. But we're obviously focused on these Game 3s of the semifinals for the NBL this Thursday night. We'll know who's playing in the grand final by Thursday night. Looking forward to it. Been another terrific show, Sean, obviously. Thanks to Hoop7 for making it happen once again. And with the support of ID Athletic, make sure you get your entries in to win a full set of uniforms from ID Athletic. If you haven't already, before we let our listeners go, what can you leave us with with some final thoughts?
0: Well, I'm interested to see, King Cam Oliver have three incredible games? He really seems to be taking his game to another level. Um, the rebounding there has been outstanding. Is Miles Plumley going to be able to respond as well? I mean, uh, he, he's almost been a, a little bit of a non-factor considering how well Cam Oliver they brought him in to uh, to really make a presence in the middle. So I expect him to be be motivated and try and slow down what Cam Oliver video game Cam Oliver is getting done this series.